to him if you've ever tasted of God your desire would be for more of him God bless you welcome back to the service tonight appreciate your patience this morning we uh, will try and be a little bit quicker here tonight we've got a baptism tonight so we're going to just try and speak for about an hour and then we'll make room for the baptism also just wanted to let you know this afternoon brother Joe Perizok was released from the hospital so we want to remember him in prayer and Sister Maria and that the Lord will guide them in the days ahead as we, we move along. So we remember them today. I want to just say with the baptism, sometimes we've allowed for the children to sit in the front rows. So maybe as we come to the end and some of you that are in the front and you can make way for the children to come up, I think that's always been a blessing for them. So let's become like little children. How many remember the baby dedication this morning? Let's be lively stones. <laughs> Amen. How many are happy to be a Christian tonight? Amen. Amen. Let's just go directly to the word. We won't sing anymore. Thank you for the specials today. Sister Terry, Sister Julia, Sister Angie. Appreciate that. Always thankful for our musicians. Somebody who doesn't have all those gifts and talents is very thankful for them around him. So let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, 
I will actually be continuing on from this morning, but I will just approach it maybe a little differently, maybe on a little different pace. But let's read here. I was, we had a podcast this week on Thursday, and I started sharing with the brothers, and then I thought about it, and I thought, that was started to burn in my heart again, Brother Max, and I just couldn't get away from it. <laughs> Exodus 33, let's just start reading in verse 12, if we can. Okay, you're all there, and I'm not there. All right, and Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. So Moses saw a great commission ahead of him, and he needed help. And so he said, Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. So now he's, he's saying, Lord, I, 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 this is too big of a task for me. Now I remember Elijah, and, and he, God had called him, and he'd run from Jezebel, and he went to a cave, and he just needed strength. And God says, I'll put strength in you. You eat these cakes. I'll help you. You know, and, and he says, the journey is too great for you. You're going to need to feed on this. I think we can all say, there's no way we're going to do this in our own. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. And he says now in verse 14, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if my presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. In other words, if you're not going to come with me, don't even send me. You ever feel that way? Lord, why did you start me on this journey? If I have to do this myself, there's no way I'm going to do it. And he'd say, for wherein shall it be known herein that I and my people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, this is the part I really want to get to. Verse 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. There's a place by the Lord for every one of us tonight. And we all stand on a rock. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful one more time for the gathering. I thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful day that you gave us. I thank you for the service this morning. I thank you now that we can come this evening. Lord, you know the limitations of our flesh, but Lord, I'm asking you'll overshadow us. Overshadow the speaker and the hearer. And I pray, O oh Lord, that your presence would go with us even today. 
that you would lead us even in this service, that you would minister to us, you'd give us strength for the days ahead. We know the days are evil, the time is short, and you said we should redeem the days, the time, Lord, and we want to do that. Lord, not, not allow the enemy a foothold, but Lord, we want to stand on our ground and we want to be encouraged, we want to be built up. I pray you'll do that tonight. Lord, bless us, young and old, each one, Lord, elder, laity, everyone, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may have your seats. I will go directly over to Revelations chapter 3, and we read the promise to the overcomer from the sixth age. I want to read it from the seventh age tonight, and in verse 21, he would say, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, and he'd say, even as I also overcame, and I am set down with my father in his throne. If you will take all of the promises to the overcomers and just begin to read them from the Ephesian age and the Smyrna age and the Thyatira age and and the Sardis age and the Philadelphia age and you just begin to read this, but look at what we have been given as a promise as overcomers in this last age. It is, it is the grace of God that we stand where we stand, that we stand on the threshold of time and eternity, that we can look and see a world falling into judgment, but we can see that things, the good things that God has pr- placed before us. We don't see them, we don't know them, we don't understand them. But, Lord, but the Lord is making them real to us. There's an identification Less and the more this world goes on, the more I can say, I don't belong here. The real me has has a place somewhere else, and God has ordained it for us. Now I want to just take from this and just follow through on the title, part two, if I can. And and I I just want to be able to say, what we're we're speaking about today is greater than the works of man. It's, It's the works of God and I, I, I just want us to be able to recognize we ministered before we left on where God has placed us in this breach of time and we're seeing judgments coming, we're seeing Israel's place, we're seeing the bride's place, but we need to, as the world moves in, in one direction, we also need to move in another direction. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, I want to read from there in in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, if I can, and uh, I want to take this and just make a little um, clarity for where we are at. And so Matthew 20, verse 20, then came to him, to Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? And she said, grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered her and said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say unto him, we are able. And he said, you shall drink indeed of my cup. And be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit on the right hand 
and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Now these two came and they were desiring, the mother was desiring, and as men would desire a position. Now two of the, two of the disciples, but the other ten heard it, and it says they were moved with indignation against their two brethren. And Jesus gives them a principle. You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. So they're desiring a position of authority. But now look at the approach that Jesus brings. He says, but it shall not be so among you. For whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Can we say amen? That, that, that's a principle. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now when, when Jesus tells um, the mother of Zebedee's children, it is not mine to give this position, but it will be given to them of whom it is prepared of my father. Now Brother Branham will take the scripture of Revelations 3, verse 22, those that will sit on the throne with him. And he will say these words in the message, how can I overcome? And, and he will say, now the place that was a mother's desire for her sons, but watch, that place, Jesus said, was predestinated. The position was not in existence at that time. Why? It will be granted to them whom it is meant for. To sit at the right hand and the other closest to him was yet for the overcomer. I can't grant this, I don't grant this, but it will be given after the trial comes. Amen. After the trial comes, they'll sit some on the right and the left, there's a predestinated seed waiting out yonder for that. It will be given to the ones that it's promised to. It'll be given there, but the test hasn't come yet. Therefore, he hasn't overcome yet. Now, I, I say that because we, we sometimes view trials negatively. I, Brother Moses, I believe you spoke on trials and overcomers last Sunday, and I understand it was a blessing, and God bless you for that. But I, I will, will, would like to just add, if I can say, they're, they're, the bride of Jesus Christ is a unique body in the earth. Brother Branham would say, she suffers much, and yet she endures it. Because God has given us grace not just to view the trial in, in the bubble of time, but with an eternal mindset to it. God doesn't just, just do it to, 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 to make it difficult for us, or, but he's chastening us, he's loving us. The trial is not for your destruction, but it's for your betterment. It is God that is bringing us and molding us and shaping us into something that is beautiful that he will present to the world one day. So Brother Branham would say, there's a reward for overcomers. 
Press on, Lily, if it's in you. Lay aside the mud and everything else. Press towards the top to sit with me on my throne. So if we suffer for Christ and his word, we will reign with him, for he is the, in his word. Now, I'm, 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 I'm needing to build this picture on two levels. Jesus would say in John chapter 14, verse 3, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, I will go and prepare a place for you, because if it were not so, I would tell you. So he had to go away to prepare something. Now, there is, as we said this morning, there is a reality to the pattern and the types and the shadows that are in the Bible. And we are moving into the reality because the light is shining brighter than it ever shone before. Brother Branham will now make this statement and he will say, just as he's paralleling, the, the position that will be granted to the overcomers is now in place for the overcomers. But now he also will take what Jesus said in John 14 and he'll bring a reality to it in a physical form. So he says this. He says, the throne room has been set up. The 12 foundations have been laid. Right now, in another place, in another dimension, this is a physical place. He's saying, the streets of gold have been paved. The gates of gigantic pearls are raised and hinged. Like a pyramid, she stands so fair and glorious. Can you, can you imagine that this is a real place? Oh, this world is not my home. There's a heavenly place that's prepared for us. He's saying, like a pyramid, she stands so fair and glorious. The heavenly beings who have prepared her watch breathlessly. Could we step into the angel realm and the angels that are looking down and they're seeing there's a people that are being prepared, that there's actually a place and the two are coming together day by day as we speak, as time closes and eternity opens up for us, it's actually bringing us into this place? Oh, why would we want to let anything beset us? We need to keep this in front of us. He says now, the heavenly beings who have prepared her watch breathlessly, for she glistens and shines with a glory that is unearthly. Every facet of her beauty tells a story of amazing grace and Jesus' love. She is a city prepared for a prepared people. She awaits only her inhabitants. And soon they will throng her streets with joy. It is the last call. The Spirit will not speak in another age. The ages are over. 
But thank God at this moment, this age is not over. He is yet crying. He is crying in the spiritual ears of men by his spirit because once again a prophet is in the land. One more time God will reveal his truth as he did by Paul. In the days of the seventh messenger, its messenger will reveal the mysteries. He will speak out and those that receive the prophet in his own name will receive the beneficent effect of that prophet's ministry. They that hear will be blessed and become a part of the bride of the last day that are mentioned in Revelation 22:17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Now I, I, I am bringing this to a place just, just saying that's what's before us. This, this, is, this is not just, you know, as, as the devil would try to reduce things. I, I mentioned the message what house will you build me? And the prophet, as he's coming near the end of his ministry, and he's speaking this message, and he says, as I get in the spirit, he said, I feel there's a reclining in the spirit, just a settledness that's there. And that's the Laodicean spirit that will come on every one of us. And we need to shake ourselves out of it, friends. How are you going to do it? You can't do it yourself. But if you walk with God, and you allow his spirit, you allow his word to wash you as, as you begin to put these things off what is it it's why it's it's burning in you like it did in Enoch you know Enoch as he got closer and closer to the finality of that pyramid and it wasn't just the outside pyramid but it was the inside the passages that he carved out that 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 was ordained of God, and he began to see his place in that little room as it entered the king. I believe there was something in him that he wasn't even seeing the world around him. And it said he walked with God. And the prophet would just tell us those words, and they're wonderful, and we repeated him. He said, if there's trouble at the church, walk with God. If your neighbors don't like you, walk with God. If, if there's trouble or hurt or sickness, walk with God. Keep walking with him. And Enoch, the Bible said, before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. When did he have that translation, that, that testimony? Before his translation. That he pleased God. As the dove of God goes over the earth and broods today. And I will say he desires to brood over me and he desires to brood over you. And, and sometimes he beckons and calls in whispers and, and he coos to us and he calls us, come aside, come aside. And I know we need to work and I know we need to fulfill the will of God in our families, in our, as husbands and, and as, as wives and mothers and fathers. But in all of that, you can walk with him and you can do it. You know, we, if you've got a purpose, whatever mountain is in front of you, if you keep the purpose of God and say, Lord, I need to get past this mountain because you have ordained me for a purpose, then everything, no matter what obstacle, you have a right to what's on the other side of that mountain. If you have a need tonight, and I'd say, if your need is a financial need, you have a right to say, Lord, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve your purpose. And you can say, Lord, you promised you would meet my needs. 
I don't know how it'll happen. I don't know where it'll happen. But you have a right to come to God that way. If you have raised children and the children are not in the right place, you have a right to approach God and tell Him, Lord, you promised me my children. I did not bring them into this world to be a tool of the enemy, but I brought them here to be serving you. And you promised me in the Isaiah 65, and they will be there and their offspring with them. You have a right to bring these things before God. These are not just promises to anybody, but there are promises. They are promises that we can lay a hold of. And if sickness strikes us, we can lay a hold of it and say, Lord, I'm serving your purpose. Remember, the devil can do nothing unless he's given permission by God. And sometimes God looses him against us to see what we'll do. You say, could that be the plan of God? Absolutely it could be the plan of God. If we take the earth and you take how God created the, the vast universe and all the stars and all the planets and we know of nine in our solar system. But if you look at all of those, it's amazing how God would take and he'd put this one planet in just a, the right distance from the sun. He would put it in the habitable zone. And it would be just right so that it would allow for human life to come out. And, and he would create it in such a way and lovingly, tenderly, he allowed it to be that way. Out of all the cold darkness of the universe, but yet his favor was upon the earth. Now you put that into a perspective, and now, out of all of the earth, he allowed a certain people to have a receiving set that could hear what the Spirit was saying in any age. And he would allow them, he'd put something in them that would, would go through the mud and the muck and the mire of, of the world, and it would press on and say, ah, there's something I can't understand. It's within me, and it's calling me. And just going back to the earth, he has that earth there. And he puts the earth there. And the earth, because of the rotation and the axis and the waters, there's tidal waves and there's actions. And when it looks like the waves are going to come and they're going to come so far because of gravitational pulls and magnetic fields and everything, God placed a moon there. And that moon was there to counteract the effect of that. So the, the gravitation, and here comes the moon. It rises up. And it pushes those waters back. Now that's a type. Because we are here. We are coming back to what we fell from in Genesis. We are, we're not just coming back to be restored. Yes, I believe the original church that was in, in, in Acts chapter 2 is God's original church. Birthed by the Spirit. But there's also a greater plan. And the greater plan is that we would come back to be real sons and daughters again. And God would allow us to be a type of the moon. And when the enemy would come in the last day and he would sweep over us, but we would be reflectors of a heavenly, of a heavenly realm. And as reflectors, we too could say with the light of God that's shining on us, Satan, move back. Why? We're commissioned to do that. Just like the moon is commissioned. But we sometimes take the attitude, oh, it's come upon me. What did I do wrong? Okay, 
listen, there ought to be more than one person. I'll raise my hand. Something comes, what did I do wrong? Man, I had a flat tire today. Oh, Lord, what did I do? You had a flat tire. Fix it. (laughs) Don't allow the enemy that foothold. Oh, the boss spoke angrily to me. Listen, that'll happen anywhere. Unless you're the wife and the boss is the husband. That's, that's a different story. But you know what? Whatever it is, recognize you're reflecting something greater. Friends, I'm trying to point us to what we're here today is not just what we see. But there's a heavenly pattern There's a light that shines somewhere. There's a truth and there's a reality. And I I would want to just say, you are not just here trying to fit in. You're, You're here because God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And when he put your name here, there's something that, that is like when every seal was opened and the beast and the power would say, come, and we come. And we we say, what are you saying? What are you speaking to me? I'll tell you, there's things that the Lord wants to speak to us in every service. But I will say in the tapes, and, and if we get into the, the, the things in the Bible, not just for the sake of mystery, mystery, but tremendous truths that God wants to show you. I've always had you in my mind. I've always written your name there. I... I'll I'll share the picture next week. I'm really not giving a report today because I've got some things. But when I was on the campground and I shared this morning and the brothers showed me that picture of Brother Harold and Sister Marlene walking on that same campground, I, I just remarked how God allowed me 33 years ago to go on the first mission trip and how I would go and and how I found a blessing in it. And, and I just gave of myself. I paid my own way. And I went and just went. And I, I just went on a trip because I had a desire. And when I saw, I remember sitting in Malawi in a little town and flat tires and no vehicle, no access anywhere. And I'm looking at little kids with threadbare clothes. And I said, Lord, why out of all of the people in the earth would you put something in me? And I began to think, and there's people, and I, every time I go, I have a heart for the people, and I see that there's a blessing of God on it. And I feel we need to fulfill that commission. And I, 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 we've been talking with the brothers, and there's different needs in different places, but I, I want to do all that we can do I don't want to sit, sit here and just be idle uh, and, and just be sitting around. I want, because there's a blessing of God that's employed when you're in the service of God. And whatever that is, if you find it, you know, as a housewife, if you find it as a young person, if you find it witnessing on the streets, if you find it wherever, God has made it that you have a place that is being fulfilled. But it's part of a great economy, a great program that we are all a part of. And I'm grateful because when I go, 
I don't just go of myself, but I go and I take every one of you with me. And, and it's your support, and it's your prayers, and it's, it's what you do, and it's what we do as a body that is a blessing to the people. And whoever God would send, Brother Andrew is gone, and Brother Max is gone, and, and, and different ones have gone different places, and we got some plans for other things, and we help in books and things like that, but it's God's great program. And I say, let's fulfill it. Don't sit idle, friends. Let's do whatever we can do. Let's go to Numbers chapter 2. Oh, my time is going to slip away quickly here. Numbers chapter 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house. For far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. Now, I won't read all the rest of this, but if you know the order of the tabernacle, and in the order of the tabernacle there was an outer court, and in the outer court then there was the, the inner court, there was the, the holy of holies, the tent, that, that the covering, the badger skins that the priests would go into, and a part of that was sected off, and it was for the, for the priest. Now, that only represents a part of it. But on each side, there was three tribes. Now, there was four sides. And on the four sides, there was four different banners, if I can call it that. Four different anointings, four different beasts that were represented. And that pattern started in, in, in the Old Testament, but it went through into the New Testament. So under, under the banner of, 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 of the east side, that was where Judah was the, was the host of that banner. But everybody would have a place under Judah. And then on, 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 on the north side, that was Dan. Dan was under the eagle anointing. And, and we could go into the others, but each had a place. And God so ordained it that everyone had a place in the structure of the tabernacle. And that was there. Now, I'm, I'm, I, I could take photos and take time, but I'm just trying to bring this through to where we are. And he would bring it over into the New Testament where the book of Acts was going to be the portrayal of the life of God in the church. It was not the holy people. It was the holy God in the holy people. And, and around that was going to be four guards, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those were guards with an anointing that would reflect the anointings that God had patterned in the Old Testament. And God would bring each of those through. So it was a pattern that God had ordained. Now the world doesn't see it and we think, oh, what does that mean to me? It means everything to us. And if we would take this over, why don't you go with me to Revelations 21? I'll, I'm just going to jump ahead to this for a moment. Revelations 21, in verse 1, and it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, is this a story, or is there a reality? 
If God would take all those pains with Israel and he would tell Moses, these tribes camp here, this order after this order, God was taking care of the shadow and the type. And he would take Matthew and he would say, Matthew, I need you to protect the gate to which Peter is speaking in Acts chapter 2. So I'll protect it with Matthew 28 verse 19. Speaking of baptism. And he would take all of these and he'd say, Mark, I need you to protect it. Now he had these witnesses, but now God also has these four anointings through seven church ages. And he's building a pyramid. And he's building the attributes. And he's preparing a temple. He's preparing a city. And he's saying, verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What's it going to be when we actually are in that city? Now, I want you to just go a little further. Drop down to verse 9, just to, just to save time. And there came to me one of the seven angels that had the seven vials of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal. And as he would go on, he would talk in verse 12 about the 12 gates and the 12 angels and the names written. And then in verse 13, now he talks about the four sides. On the east, there would be three gates. What was all of this representing? It was representing an eternal city. It's a place we're going to. It's a place that God is building right now. And there's a type that God has in the heavenly. And we are being drawn into it. It's not a dream. It's not just trying to push something. It's a reality. And it reflects down to where we're at in everything we do. It's a higher order than we actually are aware of. Now, I, I'm, I, I'm really not going to take much more time with that, but go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And I'll just take this, just a couple more things, and I, I want to just then bring it right down to some literal things here for a moment. Hebrews 12, go with me to verse 18. And he says, For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Mount Sinai. When we read Galatians 4 this morning, it was Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage. He said, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, the voice which they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. It was a terrible sight. So Paul is now 
he's telling the church, he's saying, now look at what was back there. Now you've been, you've been drawn to a mountain, but this is not the kind of mountain you've been drawn to. And he'll take this in verse 22. But you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. We don't even see what happens when we walk in the church doors. But there are angels that have waited for this time. And if we could recognize this is where we have come to. Now, let, just, just, let's go just a, a little further. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. When we read Revelations 3 this morning, I'll make you a pillar in the temple. And your name, I'll write my name upon you. It's not like the name was written. We are ready, we're written, but it's an opening, it's a declaring. We're beginning to see who we are. And he would say, and he says, to those which are written in heaven. I don't know who was it that posted. I think it was Sister Pramila. I think she posted it, Brother Simon. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Oh, don't rejoice because the demons. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Oh, I'm going home. I'm going soon. And he would say to the general assembly and church. To, so, so he says to those which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Oh, just think of what we've been called to. You know, Peter, Peter, he tells, Jesus calls Peter and James and John. He says, come up into this mountain. He says, I want to show you this mountain. Now, it wasn't just a natural mountain, but it was a mount of transfiguration, of adoption that Jesus was coming to. And Peter, you know, he's still thinking carnally, still thinking naturally. And he, and he sees Moses and Elijah, and he sees Jesus, and he said, oh, let's build three tabernacles. This is the thinking that we have been under, under a denominational age. Let's build a kingdom. Let's build this. Let's build that. Let's, that's, God wants to take us higher than that. We don't want to stay there. We want to go and say, I want my king to reign and rule. I want him to take the preeminence over our services. And he says, and Jesus tells Peter, Peter, forget about the natural tabernacles. Look at this tabernacle. This is the one you need to focus on. And I would say, let's forget about this church and that church and, and what's happened. What about what we're a part of? We've got to see it, friends, not just in this church, but we've got to see it as part of the bride body. And he'd say to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Oh, this blood. What have we come to? It's not just a place of condemnation. Because he's already called us. Invisible union, Brother Brown says, the fact that he's called you, he said, Jesus doesn't put a woman through all kinds of tribulation and troubles because he's, he's already called her. She's already found favor in his sight. What have you been called to, friends? The marriage of the Lamb. 
We've not been called to just don't do this and don't do that and don't do that. And the minute you fall, you're cast out. We've been called higher than that. We've been called as the spirits of just men made perfect. What are we still being perfected? Yes. But it's not just condemnation. It's not just, I, I just say, Lord, help us to see a little higher than we've been watching. Help us to look a little higher. Revelation, just go down to Hebrews 13, verse 1. Now Paul goes just another level. He says, let brotherly love continue. What does it mean to let? It means you give way. You say, well, I I could rise up and I could take an attitude. Or you can say, no, I want God to flow. I want to let him move. And you know what that means? Giving way. Not having my own way. And not having my own thought. And and saying, Lord, let brotherly love continue. I want to take this just if I can into a couple of things. Because... I, I've been looking at, and I'm, I, I'll do a bit of a PowerPoint next Sunday before we do our vote, and I'll, I'll bring some things, but I want to read this out of church order. Brother Branham will say, this is church order 1958. Now, we think it's rules and it's regulations, but this is one of the comments Brother Branham makes. I think first that every member or every worshiper of the Branham Tabernacle should be so much in divine love with each other until it with their hearts would long for each other when they have to go away. Church order. What's this reflecting? Something higher. Listen, we had a a prophet messenger that went into a supernatural realm with an angel of the Lord and he would come back and he would be telling us things like, Say nice things about one another. And he would say, when you come to church, be reverent, be quiet, don't talk. And he says, even the song, only believe. Oh, the angel of the Lord likes that song. What are we hearing from? We've been giving a witness of what God is building Friends, we, we come now to a wedding or something and you get a mixed multitude of people and people are talking and, you know, we, because we, we've been conditioned, this is the house of God. This is reverence. It's not just sanctimonious reverence, but it's real reverence. It's, it's we're, 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 we're coming before our God. And people start talking and we frown. What are you doing? Like, don't you know this is the house of God? Oh, let's keep it that way. Listen. I'll come out sometimes and I come out and there's little scraps of paper somewhere. Oh, that's for the janitor. No, I go and pick it up because I have an obligation. I'm a part of this house. I'm not just up here and somebody does that. No, we all work together. What is it? Look at, look at what Brother Branham's telling us. Branham Tabernacle, you need to be in love. This is church order. You need to be so in love with each other that when you go away, you'll say your hearts would long for each other. I believe it's the love of God that sent Jesus Christ to the earth that he would die for us all. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Oh, and he says, and he said, that divine love. Now, I, I think if that's in church order and that's one of the first things, I say amen. I say, Lord, I need a higher revelation of church order. We think church order is dress right, do right, do this. Naturally speaking, we as human beings, we're like Galatians. It's easier to be legalistic than it is to be in the spirit. It's easier to look at things just through our natural eyes, this, 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 and this. But we need to strive to keep the order of the spirit. Now, I'm just going to share a few things as it comes down. I had actually a PowerPoint. I'm not going to use it tonight, Brother Dan. But I want him to just take this now. He goes on and says this. I believe the Branham Tabernacle should at all times have a spirit-filled pianist. One that would come early, filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just coming off the street. Not just playing something and joking around. But coming in reverently. And he says, and would play softly spiritual music such as down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I, I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Something on that order. Listen, I, I believe that there's a lot of inspired songs. But let's never leave the old songs. I believe we need to mix them in to what we do. And I believe it's not just, oh, I'm on the old side and I'm on the new side. I'll only enter in when the songs meet my favor. No, I think we all enter in and let God move in our midst. Friends, we are the living church of God. And he says, or something like, nearer my God to thee, rock of ages cleft for me, or near the cross. Listen, can the young people say amen to this? Amen. Can, can we actually say amen? Yeah, that's a part of who I am. And I'm not old school if I do that. I'm a Christian if I do that. And can the older people say, if they sing something that God has inspired somebody, I'll be a part, I'll enter into that. Can we say amen to that? Do we want to go on with God? Yes, we want to go on with God. And then he says, now, as you approach this, he's saying, I believe that the worshipers coming in should be met, and they should hang their coats and hats. They should be shown to their seats. Listen to how he puts it. With hospitality that only ushers or deacons filled with the Holy Spirit can do in love to see the church of the living God go on. Oh, can we see, can I say, Lord, let's sharpen our pencils. Let's, when we come in, let's, let's not just, just, well, let's just jump here. Let's just, you know, we'll just chat and then, oh, we're in church. Okay, now, I'll readjust now. No, I think we need to be readjusted the minute we walk in. And we come in, and, and if we've been coming just a little late, and we're always coming late, why don't you start by coming five minutes earlier? And maybe you find that makes a difference and then make it 10 minutes earlier. And why don't you see if God will honor what we put into the service? And why don't we see if God will bless that? And if he does, why don't we stay with that? Because I think we are reflecting something down here that is actually up there. And he says, these worshipers should not talk with one another. 
should not be talking across, making noise in church. When you come together, first slip up in silent prayer, perhaps at the altar. No loud praying. You interrupt someone else. You're in prayer, silent prayer. You're in worship. Let that soak in. You're worshiping. Oh, let the worshipers arise. Let the worshipers arise. Now he says you don't have to go to the altar. You can go to your seat. You can listen. You can close your eyes. You can bow your head. But what are we doing? We're giving reverence. Not just the, the minister, but every one of us is coming together. Why? We're part of this body. We're part of this temple. We're part of this mountain, this holy city. Now, he would say, I'm so blessed this week. We have a prayer meeting every second Tuesday. Brother Andrew announced the prayer meeting and we had it downstairs because they were cleaning the carpet up here. And I was so thrilled to hear that 40 people showed up at our prayer meeting. And I said, oh, thank God. And he said, our prayer meetings, it should never just be left to any individual to lead such meetings because you can get off track on doctrine, but it's the church of the living God. He says the pastor or someone should be at all prayer meetings. Now look, at, look at how he's bringing the order to the approach to all of these things. I'll, I, I'm going to share more next week, but I, I trust if you want to take a couple of church, a couple of services, you can read Placing of Deacons as a message. You can read also in... Um, uh, the other one is, he, he does speak about positions under total deliverance, and then you can take the church order. And you know, just go back and say, there's, there's a whole part of this that I'm not even getting into, which is in regards to the gifts within the church. And I'll come back to that sometime, but I'm just talking about let's take steps to go higher. Let's, we can employ this, can't we? we like, I can do better. Hey, can the deacons do better? The deacons, let's hear it. Can the trustees do better? Can we all, as ministers, do better? And can we as laity do better? I think we can. And I say, Lord, let us go a little higher. Brother Branham would make this statement, and I'm, I'm going to just be another five minutes, ten minutes, and then we'll, we'll stop. He'd say, now, remember... God is looking to me to see that I stay in the word. He's talking as the pastor. And I'm looking to you to see that you carry out the word, see? And he says, now, keep it spiritual. For remember, all the forces of the dark kingdom of Satan will be turned against you as you begin to grow in the Lord. And you must be soldiers, not just fresh recruits. You're aged soldiers now. You've been trained to fight. And Satan will come among you and cause you to dispute with one another. If he can. Now he can't if we turn him down. We can't if we, if we let a spirit of love prevail in us. If we let a spirit of forgiveness, if we recognize, hey, there's a knot between us, and we just say, Lord, help us. Let's clear this up. 
I, I, I'm not going into it today. But Brother Branham talks about how in the church, he says, we're coming into elections. And before we do that, and he says, I see differences, and I'm coming among you, and I'm going to straighten them all out before we come to the elections. And I'm saying right now, if there's differences, and you're coming for elections, let's straighten them out. Let's not leave them here. How do we hinder the Spirit of God sometimes? Because we carry things. Listen, I can go at adoption part two, and Brother Ram says, did you know that your misbehavior can knock someone out of their healing? That your wrong attitude, your spirit of unforgiveness can knock somebody from being healed. Now that's flat, but we're, we're coming to an adoption. Let's lay down our pride. Let's lay down our thoughts. And let's say, we are here for one cause. And the cause is for this church to move on further. How many are with me on this? I'm saying this out of a burden of my heart. I am not interested in things going on just like they were. Because some things weren't right. And some things aren't right. And I want you to be honest with yourself, and I'll be honest with myself. And I'll say, Lord, let's straighten this up. Because I'm going on with you. You say, is everything wrong? No, not everything's wrong, but Satan will use the least little thing. He'll use history, and you can't lay down history. He'll use it between husband and wife. He'll use it between parents and children. He'll use it between brothers. And we need to start by just defeating him in the tracks. Satan hates this. He hates this because he's, he's looking to get inside. It's not the worm outside the apple. It's the worm on the inside. That's where he's trying to go to. Brother Branham would further say, don't ever get puffed up to a place where you know more about it than your pastor. Now, I'm not smarter than everybody else. But if I'm in this position and God's put me in this position, I have a great responsibility. And I say, Lord, like Moses, don't lead me to anything if you don't go with me. Don't bring me up in the pulpit if I can't have your presence with me. If I can't have an attitude whereby I'm not taking sides with one person or another. And some people get upset at me because I don't take their side. But I'm doing exactly what the prophet said. Don't take sides. Stand there and bring the people back together. That's what I'm doing. And don't get upset at me for it. The pastor should never take sides when one group is this way and that way. He should stand between both of them and get them reconciled. And if they won't get reconciled, let him take a deacon with him. And if they won't let neither pastor or deacon, then he'll say, let it be as a heathen and a publican. And whatsoever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose on heaven. Sometimes a gift raises up and somebody thinks it's greater than anything. And I say we're, 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 we're living in a time, whatever gift we have, it needs to be fully in subjection to the Holy Ghost in our attitude, in our approach, in our unity, in everything we do. Whether it's a singer, a minister, an officer, whatever we are, we need to have it fully in subjection.
And he says, the pastor, if somebody isn't in a place, he must call the individual down and ask them to be reverent and to keep their place. The pastor must be a man that's got a very humble way about him, but not too humble. Why? So that he can be like the Lord Jesus Christ, where when he saw something wrong going on in the church, he was already plating a rope. <laughs> Our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. How would you like to be one of the 12 disciples and walk into the temple that day and, and you're sitting there and just watching everything and all of a sudden you saw your pastor taking a rope and he's swinging it and all the cages and animals are flying. You know, you, would you stand over there and say, that's my pastor, yeah, watch him. No, you'd be saying, what's he doing? He's doing it because he's called of God to do that. I'm not trying to put myself, if I'm going to be what I am, I'm going to be everything I need to be. And if you're going to be that, let's everyone be 100% together. Is that an amen? I say amen to that. Listen, let me finish this. He says, the church of God is the house of judgment, and the pastor is the highest church. The elder is the highest thing. The Holy Spirit gives his message straight to the elder. The elder gives it to the people. But the pastor is not the one who's in full authority. The Holy Spirit's in authority. The church is part of the authority. And we have an obligation to stand for one another. If there's something that I'm doing that's astray, it's your obligation to come and talk to me. And it's my obligation to see if it's correct, and then we'll deal with it correctly. But I want to be a reflection of that real house of God. Oh, friends, let's just have the musicians come. We're going to stop. That's an hour. I said I would stop at an hour. There's more I could bring. But we want to just stop there. Is that all right this, this evening? Do you get my heart today? I yelled. I'm not angry. But I'm angry at the devil. I'm angry that we would allow the devil to have place. And I say it's time to kick him out. I say it's time for that geek go to go. I say it's time for the teufel to go. I, whoever he is, whatever name you call him by. Uh, he, he, he was cast out of heaven because there was no place for him. And so he's trying to take this place, and we can say, you have no place in us. As Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh, and he has no place in me. And we have a right to say the same thing. The devil has no place in me. And when he rises up, the reflection of God, the church, the moon, rises up and drives him back. We're together, aren't we? Let's stand together. Let the worshipers arise. Let the worshipers arise Let the sons and the daughters sing I'm surrendering my all I'm surrendering to the King First one Sons and the daughters. 
just finish this quotation out of church order this is 1963 your aged soldiers now you've been trained to fight and Satan will come among you and cause you to dispute with one another if he can turn them down just immediately your brethren and it's the enemy now listen to these words we're here to hold a standard in the evening light time that when the world is darkened and the whole church kingdom is going to the council of churches and pretty soon they're going to tack a sign on this door here and say closed and we're going to have to meet in other places because they'll certainly close these churches one of these days if we don't take the mark of the beast and we're depending on staying true to God till death sets us free and that's what we intend to do I want to be committed to what God has called us for and he's not called us just to be end time message tabernacle that's the name that we have on this building and this group but he's called us to be the bride of Christ I will not be denied I will press forward I will move with God as He moves me. And I can't do that myself. But I'll tell you what happens is some of you encourage me. And then maybe I can encourage you. And like we went over to Nigeria and Brother John said, Brother Ed, your coming was such an encouragement. And I've had deacons and I've had brethren write me and say, Brother Ed, we highly Respect your coming and what the Lord did through you. Now, I'm not saying that to boast myself. I'm saying that because some people were praying. And I'm saying that despite what I was and what I, my thoughts were, God worked through that. And I believe that God can work in our midst. Now, we're not looking to men. We're looking to God. And we're saying, God, help us. Let me be a positive influence in this church. Let me be an encouragement to my brother and my sister. Maybe I've, I've just become a little bit cranky. And maybe I just need to change my outlook a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe I've just been a bit too lackadaisical and I need to be a little bit more reverent. Whatever it is, I think we need to move forward. I think we need to keep pressing on. Would that be right? Let's just sing... Maybe as we change the order, I feel like traveling on. Yes, I feel like traveling on.
My heavenly home is bright and fair. Oh, I feel like traveling on. No pain or death can enter there. Oh, I feel like traveling on. Oh, yes, I feel like traveling. Right.